warmest greetings, Grace Church, Pastor David, Sister Lifan, all the pastors and elders in the church. It is an honor for me to be able to speak and share uh, during this time when we are all going through a wonderful, exciting, crazy journey and still remain triumphant and victorious. That's the theme Pastor has given me uh, to talk about about triumphant living and it's so very important you know maybe i encourage many of you we have come a long way nobody saw this 2020 happening and going this way but you've come through a long way you survived and don't be discouraged whatever that may happen or is happening because christ is for you not against you who can be against you so I'm really honored and privileged to speak to you as a church and send our greetings and our love. Pastor David is very, very loved and honored by people in our country and many parts of the world. He's, he's down to us, messages, his humor, his, his example. And I thank God for that example that he has set in this year. 45 years in the ministry and going stronger. Woo! And you know, his son and daughter and son-in-laws and grandchildren, I really admire them, watch their photos all the time. And really it's a privilege to be able to speak to the great Grace Church in Shalom. Many wonderful leaders I have known through the years and, and people who have been attending that church and being empowered, keep on doing the work of God. Pastor David has asked me to speak about the triumphant life and I chose this scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself. It's important for them to know the Thessalonians and also for us to know that our God is a God of peace, not of confusion or disorder. That he's a God of peace and he himself will sanctify you completely. I love that. God doesn't start a job and halfway gives up and get discouraged despite our failures and our shortcomings. He will complete what he started. And he said, may your spirit, your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless. No one else can do that for us. We put our trust in politicians. We put our trust in ideologies, but only a person, God, your heavenly father, my heavenly father, is the only one who can keep our soul blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our goal. So it doesn't end here. Thank God. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Who is faithful? He who is who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. I look at that word sanctify in the dictionary. Uh, it simply means set apart, consecrated and holy. And most ordinary people like you and I feel that we cannot qualify because we can't be set apart. We can't see ourselves as people who will be set apart, living in a mountain somewhere, you know, unapproachable and distant, cut off from the real life that is happening here. But I look at the Bible dictionary. The Bible dictionary said we have been, we have been redeemed from our fallen nature, blood washed and made useful for God. I believe all of us are qualified. 
you know, that, that word sanctified applies to you and I today because God chooses us not according to our performance, but who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, our God knows what is happening in our world today. And that's why the words, the God of peace is so important and it's so apt for us today. Why? Because God never had never has a sleepless night. I know you know, you know as well that God doesn't sleep. But I'm saying that as a term so you can understand. Nothing faces God. Nothing catches God by surprise. He is not uh, nervous about what's happening in your life and in my life. He absolutely knows what's going on through our lives. So to be sanctified by God is more than just being made pious, but to be make to, to make us acceptable and to become a wonderful instrument of God. He completes what he started, as I said just now. Our job is to simply be compliant. We are, we are very compliant, especially in this pandemic, to put on the mask and wash our hands and, you know, social distancing and all of that. But in order for us to be triumphant, uh, we have got to learn to be compliant to God. God will not force any of us to do anything unless we are compliant. We are willing to work along with God. Let's start. The three things I want to talk about is that He sanctifies us, spirit, soul, and body. So very easy, three points, all right? So the spirit part is the real you and real me that will never die, that's made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. We were dead in sin, but now we have been raised in the newness of life. We have not been transformed to some weird image that we don't know. God loves you and likes you the way you are. Sometimes when you go through trouble and trials and you are depressed and saddened on the inside, you might think that, you know, I think sometimes God doesn't like me. You know, if only I could be like so-and-so. But your spirit man has come alive because of Christ Jesus. Dead in sins, resurrected by His power. So, you and I can apply a lot of things that will help us grow. Some things are very obvious, like reading your Bible, spending time alone with God, praying, meditating with the Lord. And But I, I just want to talk about a practical part that our spirit soul needs to work on, or we need to work it uh, ourselves, and that is being lodged together in the body of Christ. We cannot be a success and we cannot know what triumphant living is on our own. So God places in a body. You know, the church is a beautiful thing despite all our faults and our weaknesses and failures. But God has blended us together as a church and our growth determines on how we comply to what God is saying and doing in His church. Psalms 133 tells us a wonderful picture, a, a beautiful metaphor of what the church is about. And it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers or brethren to dwell in unity. It's, it's, it's a thing that we do intentionally. And I want to use that word very often because it's not accidental. So your staying in your church and working together with what God is doing helps your spirit to develop, to become a developed man. He says that it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard of Aaron and running down until the edge 
of his robes. Remember, uh, in the Bible tells us how a woman heard that Jesus was passing by and she said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. And she did. She pressed through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment, which is the lowest part, the fringes. And she was immediately made whole. Virtue flew out, came out of Jesus. In the same way, when we are in the body of Christ and when the anointing flows, the anointing of blessing, of favor, empowerment, and all the things we want to have in our triumphant Christian life, it goes right through us. And so the garment is supposed to be in place, right to the fringes. Some of you might think that you are on the fringes, but as long as you are not detached from the garment, as long as you don't dislodge yourself, from the body of Christ, you remain there in your spirit, you know, and you are, you feel the anointing of God flowing through you. So it's very important that we as uh, Christians, as the body of Christ and people who are seeking to know Jesus Christ, to become a part of this fantastic thing called the church. It is the body of Christ where the anointing flows from Jesus, our head, and right through all of us, the anointing was what is always there. Uh, another thing I think that will help and I believe will help our spirit to grow is for us to find our identity in Christ and in Christ alone. It is very important that we have a strong sense of knowing who we are. You know, before Jesus even did one miracle or preached a great sermon, we would think, you know, if he had preached a great sermon or healed the sick, and his father would say, in you, I'm so pleased. We all know that the moment Jesus was baptized in water without performing one miracle of preaching one sermon, the father spoke from heaven in a loud voice, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When we are in Christ Jesus, the same word comes to you and me, that God is pleased because of who you are. Immediately after Jesus' baptism, he was taken into the wilderness and for 40 days and night he fasted. Can you imagine how he would have felt? Yeah, we skip a meal and we already feel like we are going to die, you know. 40 days in the wilderness. And at the end of the 40 days, when he was, the Bible says very clearly, when he was so hungry, the devil came to tempt him. And he, the devil approached him and said to him, If you are the son of God. And the enemy always wants to attack your identity and my identity. If we are secure in who we are. Can you imagine how Jesus would have felt physically? Just think of him as a human being, a man. 40 days he had not been eating. And now he's vulnerable, he's tired, he's dizzy. You know, you don't eat a whole day or three days. If we go on a fast, we feel dizzy. And that's the weakest point the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, he even quoted scripture, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus replied him with another scripture. And after that, he took the devil, the devil took him up on the, you know, to Jerusalem and you throw yourself down from this temple, which is speaking of being religious. You know, the scripture says, you know, the scripture says the angels will carry you up so that you will not dash yourself. Again, questioning his identity, his popularity, whom you know, and then took him up to see the whole world. I will give you the whole world talking about, you know, opulence and 
wealth and fame. I'll give you the whole world. Don't need to go to the cross. Now, all of us will be tempted in one area or another in this time during the pandemic to forget our identity in Christ. And I believe it's a strong point that you and I can have to become a triumphant Christian, to know who we are. We don't have to prove anything to anybody. We are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, sanctified by the Lord. Don't let people put pressure on you that you didn't do enough, that you didn't pray enough, that you're not holy enough. None of these things will, 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 will give you a greater identity. Your identity is found totally and completely in Jesus Christ. The second thing that God said he will sanctify us is in our soul, which is used interchangeably with the spirit, but really it cannot be separated from your spirit. It's your personality. You have, and I have a unique personality. You may not like some of the things about yourself, but let me tell you, we can, we are, we, we are being changed. The Bible says we are being changed from glory to glory, line upon line, precept upon precept. The soul speaks about our emotions, our intellect, and our will. These are the three areas that cause us to choose, to feel, and to define us. And these things are developed in our lives. Our soul is developed in our lives through wisdom, through experiences, through men and women of God who share their ups and downs and what they did when they were down and so that it would encourage you save us from many other mistakes that they have made that we can learn from. Uh, I, I, I think wisdom is key and so pastors are always learning, leaders are always students of the Word of God and we are always in a posture of a student willing to learn. I, I learned one thing uh, in my years of being a pastor is that I have to learn to reduce the drama. All of us have drama. Sometimes it's unavoidable. It's a continual perennial issue because of our background and the people in our lives. Some of you are married to drama. I'm not just talking about the women. There are some guys who are real drama. They make a big story out of nothing. And we have to reduce drama. Might be impossible to remove all drama, but we can reduce drama reduce drama. We have to be intentional and we have to be able to say because it is complicating your life and my life. It will stress you out. It will drain you mentally, emotionally and you don't need that. Not that we want to avoid people. We, we are supposed to be in connection with people. That's what we really are. We are not supposed to be sitting at home and doing life. We have to do life with, with people. But when the drama begins to kick in, God will give you wisdom on how to reduce drama. Another thing I've learned or am still learning, one of my weakness is learning not to say no. I mean no, but I say yes. Learning to say no. Uh, because, you know, we are afraid to say no. You know, we are afraid to be interpreted as not being a good pastor, uh, not caring enough, not showing love enough. I'll leave and go to another church. Not being approachable, not being friendly enough. When we say yes, when we should have said, said no, we become people pleasers for the sake of keeping peace. I know our culture, especially as Asian, 
it's very hard for us to say no because it might give give people the impression that we are not being helpful we are not being supportive it's a hard thing to say no no i'm sorry you know people have written books on how to say no properly so that it takes out the harshness you know we we feel that we mix with people then there are times we we are obligated to say yes but no becomes more difficult as we are getting older children sociologists say say no a lot right but as we get older we feel it's more awkward uh it might affect friendships we will sound not not supportive supportive jesus made it very clear let your yes be yes and your no be no if we say yes but yet when we cannot fulfill when we cannot follow through on our yes we give ourselves a reputation as being flaky unreliable so learning to say no is a good thing that you and I can develop third john verse 2 says beloved i pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prosperity is something is left to you and i to work in complying complying with the holy spirit another thing i've learned is there are seasons and probably you know it there are seasons like this season that we've gone through in seasons where our talent or our gift where we are on a different stage and different ex- expectation is ex- expected of us uh, the expression of your gift and your calling your vocation is not so much being seen or wanted it's a season where you begin to metaphor where you are changing you're wondering what's happening you know during this time you used to be a high flyer your gifts and your talents and ability were appreciated i know many pastors feel trapped and tired because they are used to the crowd and that's not a bad thing but when we go through seasons it's beginning to bring us into a place of unseen unseen doesn't mean you are unimportant unseen is a time where you begin to reinvent some areas in your life i tell you i believe that many of us are becoming better people honestly when we begin to not allow whatever that's been barraged against us by the media or whatever but begin to take responsibility to grow our own internal garden to watch our internal lives grow and prosper for three and a half years or oh, sorry for 30 years except for the three and a half years jesus was visible three and a half years that's all but for 30 years the son of a carpenter had splinters in his hand worked with his father joseph and learned to be with his heavenly father 30 years so let us not get desperate this is a time where you begin to allow your soul to be rooted and soaked in god and in the word of god and grow triumphantly mingling with people attitude how we see things we need to change our focus 
and look through the focus and the lenses of Jesus Christ, not what the world tells us to think and behave and to see things. If you look at our devices that we have, this is not a bad thing. It's just giving us information. What's inside us reacts to what we read and what we are being told will give you a sense of feeling confident or, or desperate, fearful or bold and courageous. Being willing to, to stand against certain things, being resistant to things that we should learn to say no to. Absolutely. Another thing I learned during this time, I talk my my key leaders about this a lot and learn to play. I know it doesn't sound like a spiritual word because many times you thought, you know, the devil has no time to play. The devil doesn't sleep. So why should I play? I have no time to play. But we are not taking our lessons from the devil. We are taking our lessons from God, even as your soul prospers. David said, and this I know, and my soul knows really well. He talked to his soul. Self-talk is good. Praying is, of course, very important. But, you know, sometimes we, we self-talk. Don't think that you're going mad. You need to talk to ourselves. We need to speak to our mind. This is not the behavior. This is not the real me. I shouldn't be behaving like this. So this is all soul-talk. Learning to play. When my grandkids come over, I know my agenda, everything that I may be planning to do. And I've got so many things to, uh, uh, I've got so many things to do. But when they come to my house, they expect grandpa and grandma to play. And when they are tired, they watch TV or go to bed. But the small one will come up all the time. You play with me now, okay? And it's the same game. <laughs> I get really tired and exhausted. And, you know, I want to answer a phone call. I, I want to do so many things. But learning to play. Husbands and wives, you know what I mean. To really have fun in your life. Change the decor. Play secular music in your home, build the atmosphere. It shocks some people when I talk like this. Well, you won't make it to like David's age, Pastor David's age, at 45 years serving the Lord. If you don't know how to play. And I look at him, I think, I, th I tell you, it's one, he sets a wonderful example to not just his family, but to many, many other pastors. He rides his Harley. He just goes off on a trip. He, he knows how to party with his children and with his grandchildren. And, and that's commendable because people will look at that. You don't just reach 45 years serving God with the challenges and the servant, sermon preparation and leadership meetings and responsibility for all those things. The pressure is always there. But he learns to play and you ought to learn to play whatever it takes for you to just relax and to just play. The third point I want to talk about is our body. Fake Christianity, religiosity will tell you to hate the body. The body is sinful because you think my desires and what the body wants to do, of course, it comes from the mind and all of that. Your body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that in our earthen, earthen vessels, he uses the term earthen, which is frail and fractured and, and 
weakened body, he puts his treasure in our bodies. Now, I'm not saying that we glorify our body, but we can glorify God in our body. Looking lousy and, you know, depressed, long face and grouchy, and snarling, especially when you get older, that's not glorify God. When our kids watch us, they want to see us alive, supple, funny, full of fun, much more our church people and our neighbors who are not Christian. I've got a long story to tell you about my neighborhood, but I thank the Lord that I can be real down to earth, that they see that they know I'm a pastor, but they see that this is Joe. This is Joe Romine. This is he. You know, he knows how to have fun. He knows how to sing and enjoy and, and have a meal and have parties with them. And they still know what I am and what I preach. I thank God. The Bible says glorify your, in your bodies, glorify God. Uh, early Christianity, when we were growing up and just became church, you know, we started bringing drums into the church and, and uh, we were told that drums is a, is a demonic instrument because the Africans used drums to call evils and all kinds of nonsense. Then we brought in the synthesizers to replace the pump organs. We used to have organs. and. We got people to play loud music and all oh, people would come to our church. The church is so worldly. I know my fellow pastor who, who was my classmate, he kept saying, you know, I'm, I'm shocked at Joe Ramiah. He said, I doubt he's even saved because I would sing songs. And I would sing it joyfully and I enjoy everything that I, that I do. Uh, and so they would say the synthesizers of the devil sounds like Abba and, and uh, those of you who are very young may not know what Abba is, the Bee Gees and you know all this is worldly music but today the church, the church music around the world, millions are watching them worshipping God. It's not a performance but they do it well. How much we need to glorify God in our bodies? What you put on your post and what I put on our post, does it edify people or does it cause people to raise an eyebrow about your personality? So even that, our body is to glorify God. I'm not saying quote scriptures on your Facebook and your Instagram all the time, but we can, we can like certain things. Be slow to like, be slow to post and let us be wise in how we are glorifying God in our body. I think this is very important. So in these areas, finding out what's happening in our world and, and acting responsibly, responsibly as a church, it is very important and as individually. So number one, I believe that God wants you to prosper and to be triumphant. Number two, I know that you want to triumph in your heart, you are yearning. This is not really me. I can be a better man. 2020 is going to end. I don't think many people will be sleeping on the night that is the last night before 2021. <laughs> they want to say really goodbye to 2020. But I tell you what, you made it and God is for you. So God wants you to be triumphant. You want to be triumphant and your family wants you to triumph. Loved ones look up to you and I. 
In fact, it says in the book of Hebrews that there is a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. They've gone before you and they've fought many battles like you. Many of them gave their life for the sake of the gospel. So we are for you and God is for you and you need to be for yourself. It is your spirit. It is your soul and your body. We cannot play the blame game, blame game that I am what I am today because they were not nice to me and they didn't help me. I believe that 2021 will be an exceptional year despite what may be happening in our world with the changes. God bless you and thank you for the opportunity. I think I'd like to, because you're wonderful people, I think I'd like to just sing you a song. He said, okay, let me get myself sorted out first and then I'll sing you a song. And, uh, you know, I, I just love to entertain people. And uh, let me have a glass of water first. So I dedicate this song to Grace Church Shalom. Here we go. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white The bright blessed day and the dark saved night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The color on the rainbow so pretty in the sky are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're merely saying, I love you. I hear babies cry, I'll watch them grow, they learn much more than I'd ever know, and I think to myself, what a wonderful Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Come on, Grace Church, last part together. Oh, yeah. 
God bless you. We have a great triumphant life in Jesus' name. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you.